We want to thank you for tuning in to the Indian Run Christian Church podcast with Pastor Terry Bailey. This podcast can be found on iTunes by searching for Terry Bailey Ministries. Right now, let's get to Pastor Terry's insightful message. Continuing in the, the little series that I have started off to lead us to the celebration of the resurrection. And I will say this, I'm not operating from a traditional Palm Sunday text today, and I realize that, but this is nevertheless a Palm Sunday sermon. And if you pay attention, I think you will recognize that. But we'll see, you can talk to me later if you think I either hit the bullseye or totally missed the mark. You uh, you can let me know. But I'm going to begin again with a review. We started this series looking at the non-negotiables from the little letter of First John. Uh, by the time I've done the last review on this next Sunday, everybody should at least have learned these, if nothing else. There are five things John says we must believe. Two concern us, three concern Jesus Christ. Concerning us, we must confess that we are sinners. To do otherwise is to call God a liar. Second, if something is being done to address our sin, we must have a growing capacity to love one another with a godly love, for nothing less will do. Three things about Jesus Christ. John says we must believe that he is the pre-existent, eternal Son of God, who was somewhere else, but was sent here at a particular point in time. He says we must believe that when he came here, he came as the Christ, the anointed, appointed one, who fulfills all the promises and gives substance to all the prophecies. And third, that when he came here to be the Christ, he came in the flesh, a real human body. Huge change from his previous state. Spend a little time just trying to understand the wonder of that. But then turned our main focus to, well, why should this be such a big deal? Because John says if you don't hold these three things about Jesus Christ, then you are outside of God's purposes in Christ, which would be a bad thing just in case you hadn't caught that. Why such a big deal? I have sought to help us understand why. What is it? that Jesus does that would not be accomplished if these three things were not true and we would not understand them if we did not grasp these three things. And I've seen first that because Jesus is the pre-existent Son of God who in order to become the Christ came here and took on flesh that he reveals God to us in a, a way more clear and substantive than Any other that I can imagine, no man has seen the Father at any time, but when you have looked at Jesus Christ, you understand him completely. You know his values, you know his heart, you know his goals, you know his nature. Jesus reveals to us God the Father. Second, because he is the pre-existent Son of God, who in order to become the Christ came here and took on flesh, He reveals to us ourselves as we were meant to be 
as we should have been had we not ruined our very natures, but as we can be again if we will accept what he offers and let the transforming work of the Spirit begin within us. Third, because he is the pre-existent Son of God who in order to become the Christ came here and took on flesh, he shows us God's complete sympathy for us because he was tested in all ways as we are tested and yet was without sin but it means that he's felt the pressure that you feel he's felt the weight of that sometimes crushing load that you experience he's been exhausted he's been hurt oh how he was hurt he's been betrayed He's been disappointed and he's been frustrated and he understands what it's like to be you. He is our sympathetic high priest, but this is only true when we understand that he is the eternally existent son of God who in order to become the Christ came here and took on human flesh. There's the review to this point. To get to a fourth thing that is accomplished. Let me begin with you where I began with the kids. We are heirs to many things. For some of us, our parents have already passed on and we are heirs to an estate of some nature. But most days I think that's the least little bit of it. A few dollars that will pass through your hands and be gone. Land that Maybe yours now and will be somebody else's tomorrow. More important, we've inherited much of who we are from those who came before us. As I said, genetics, you may be short or tall. You may be fair-skinned or dark-skinned. You may be a lot of things simply on the basis of the genes that you have inherited from your parents and your grandparents, and so forth. And, and some days, some days it's like, wow, thanks, Mom and Dad. And some days it's like, yeah, thanks, Mom and Dad, for whatever it is that you have passed on to me. But we are their heirs in that sense. By the way, if you didn't know it, the word heir appears in the middle of the word inherit. But enough etymology. Beyond genetics... We inherit what they taught us. We inherit the example that they lived before us. And for good or ill, we inherit many of the consequences of the things that they did before we came along. Or while we were young, we inherit all these things. And it is a a bigger picture than that. Actually, you and I are heirs of what has come to be called the American experiment. We are heirs of Western culture and Western civilization. We are heirs of the Industrial Revolution. We are heirs of the digital age. And let me tell you, in each one of these circumstances, there's some good and some bad that we have inherited. But we have inherited it all for good or for ill. 
Now that said, let me back up just a second, take a sidetrack, and look at the word redemption. Probably everybody understands what the word redemption means. It means to buy something back, which implies that once it was yours. And through some series of circumstances, it ceased to be yours and became someone else's. And you had to pay a price if you wanted it back, if you wanted it to be yours again. A not inconsiderable portion of my youth was spent combing the ditches for redeemable soda pop bottles. They had once belonged to the bottling company. They had then been purchased and belonged to somebody else who carelessly tossed them out the window of their car, not realizing or not caring that a nickel could be had. And I would gather them up and take them to the store where they would be redeemed and become the property of the bottling companies again. Redemption. Some years ago, some of you will remember, some confused youth chucked a couple of bricks through a window in the old church up the hill and came in in the late night hours and stole some things, including two of my guitars. It got talked about quite a bit, so it was known in the community that this had happened. And a friend came to me and said, Hey, Terry, I'm pretty sure that I saw your your one guitar at a pawn shop, the name of which I will just let be. But I, I saw it there, so I went and checked, and sure enough, both my guitars were hanging up on the racks for sale in the pawn shop. And I had made identifying marks inside the acoustic guitar, so I was able to point it out and say, look, these are my guitars. They were stolen from the church. Here's, I have a copy of the police report, and I'd like to have them back. You know, it turns out you have to pay the pawn shop what they paid the criminal for your property. Yes, there was a Canton policeman on hand to tell me these things. I had to pay them what they paid the criminals before I could have my property back. I didn't think that was fair. But I wanted my property back, so I handed over the money. And they gave me my guitars. And I left, and as I left, a fight broke out because the guy from the back room came out and asked what he had got for the guitars, and it turned out that they had put new strings and batteries in the guitars, and he had not thought to charge me for it. And I thought, <laughs> surgery. <laughs> I redeemed what had been mine through a series of circumstances had become someone else's and I paid the price so that they were mine again one more sidetrack and I will get back once upon a time we were the inheritors of all things good coming down from our Heavenly Father. And He had made so many things. And this one place, this planet, this earth that He had made, He gave us dominion over. Which meant that we had some rights to it. And what we did was pawn it. 
sell it cheap. And along with the real estate, into the poor bargain we included our souls. Sold for the tawdry pleasures of sin for a season. Sold, nonetheless. And so the Bible says, Satan is the prince of the power of the air of this world. Because we sold it to him. And that we have made ourselves through our choices his slaves. And we sanctioned that sale too. We had been the heirs of God due to these ill-advised transactions. We inherit the wrath of the enemy of our souls. The sale has been made, and I would say for good or ill, but it's just ill, just for ill. We are now the heirs of the plans of Satan. God always has a bigger plan. I tell myself this, remind myself of it every morning. And his plan is always ahead of all counter plans. And God always had a plan for this. And what the little passage that Mark read to us from Hebrews says, what well, says a lot of things, and in its own way it recounts the story of how he was the eternally existent Son of God with and through whom God created all things and how he came here and did something to make purification for sins and took his place again at the right. Tells that story. Tells that story too. But it tells more. It says that God had this plan and he has spoken of it long ago to the fathers and that he has spoken of it in various forms and many ways and sundry portions. It says that he spoke of this plan through the prophets. No truer statement has ever been made. If you can read the prophets without seeing the redemptive plan of God, you need to take the blinders off and read it again. And we could spend this whole service and other services just reading how this plan was described in the prophets. I chose to just read one, and I wanted to edit it down, but I could never decide what to edit out. So I'm just going to read you. It's a whole chapter from Isaiah, but it's only 12 verses. So bear with me. Isaiah 53 prophecy from God who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed for he capital H grew up before him capital H also like a tender shoot like a root out of parched ground he has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him no because he traded all that for a human form no appearance 
we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was pierced through for our transgressions, crushed. For our iniquities, the chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter, like a sheep silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due, His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand as the result of the anguish of his soul he will see it and be satisfied by his knowledge the righteous one my servant will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities therefore I will allot him a portion with the great and he will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with transgressors yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressor if you can't see it there you aren't looking God spoke of his plan through the prophets. But not only the prophets. He said many ways. God spoke of his plan through the patriarch Abraham, who when he is old and had waited all those decades for the promised child who would become his heir. And God asked him to sacrifice that child to give him back. And with heavy heart, Abraham made to obey, but God sent an angel who stayed his hand, and there caught by the horns in a thicket was a sheep to serve as the sacrifice in the place of Isaac. If you aren't seeing it there, you aren't looking. God spoke of it in many ways, in the vision of the temple that he gave to King David, an architectural picture of denied access. We cannot approach God, but one man can be made pure enough to go before God and make intercession for our sins if first he is cleansed by the water and by the sprinkling of the blood on the altar of sacrifice. You aren't seeing it. 
you aren't looking. God spoke of it in many ways in the life of Hosea and Gomer, the righteous husband, the faithless, fickle bride, who threw away all the good that had been extended her and returned to her immorality and not only was separated from her husband but reduced to a life of penury, poverty, and enslavement. And then the righteous husband paid the slave price to buy her back and restore her to the place that she had forfeited. If you aren't seeing it, you aren't looking. God spoke of this plan in many ways from of old. And I will leave that portion there. And it was always plain that his son, as Hebrews says, with and whom, through whom he created all things, was to come and make purification for our sins. Now thus far, we aren't saying anything that we haven't already said, including if you read that third verse, how Jesus became the exact representation of the very nature of God. But we've already said all that. A new thought is introduced in this passage. Because of this work that Jesus Christ does, He is appointed the heir of all things. Now understand, because of who he was, the eternally pre-existent Son of God, he was already heir to many things, to the power, to the glory of God, to the halls of heaven, to all of that. And he set it aside to come and do something about the one thing that he wasn't heir to, had been. We sold it. It had now passed into other hands. And I need you to understand, God could do something about the real estate, the hills, the rocks, the mountains, the trees. He could. But that was not his plan. As I understand it, all of this will be burned to ash. And a new creation will take its place. But what he could not lose, or would not, I suppose, was us. Our souls, which had also been sold to Satan. And when Jesus redeemed and reclaimed that, he became heir again to that which had been lost to the estate. He bought it back at a price, such a price. That we'll talk about that next week. Right now we just need to understand this additional thing because he is the eternally pre-existent son of God who in order to become the fulfillment of all the promises came here in the flesh and made purification 
for our sins. He is appointed by God to be the heir of all things and we who will allow him to claim us are returned to his estate. We are his inheritance. And he is again the heir of all things. But there's one further statement, and this time I will edit it just a little because I know I'm already running longer than usual. But you go to the book of Romans chapter 8, I will read verse 11 and then skip down to verses 16 and 17, though you could profitably read the whole passage. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit which dwells in you. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. We can be co-heirs with him who has been appointed to be the heir of all things. It does require you understanding who he is. Because if he's not who the Bible says he is, this cannot be true. He is the eternally existent Son of God. He came here to fulfill all the promises by taking on flesh and making purification for our sins. If you are not yet co-heir with Jesus Christ, I just tell you the most wonderful truth in the world. You can be. We want to take a moment to thank all of you, our faithful listeners, for setting aside time each week for the Indian Run Christian Church podcast. You can find out more about the church by visiting our website at www.christforeastcanton.com. That's www.christforeastcanton, all one word, dot com. On behalf of Pastor Terry and all the folks at Indian Run Christian Church, I pray God's blessing on you and your family.